Hello and welcome to this episode of Roxing Queens. This time we meet Clara Cullen, who works for UK charity, the Music Venue Trust. Without further ado, here she is to introduce herself. My name is Clara Cullen. I work at Music Venue Trust. Nice. Um, what is it exactly you do at the Music Venue Trust? So Music Venue Trust is a charity and we were founded in 2014 with the purpose of protecting, securing and improving the uh, grassroots music venues around the UK. Uh, so basically what that means is we have a network of grassroots music venues in the UK and we try to fight for their interests and help solve uh, issues that uh, otherwise would put them out of business. That's a very important job. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a really interesting one, and it's always there's always a lot lot of different threats from different kind of directions. You have to try and kind of battle, um, and so it it's nice to do something within music where I, I feel like I'm giving back and, and kind of sticking to my kind of DIY roots as well. So it's uh, it's going well. I was talking today to someone explaining what we do, and uh, the threats can be everything from noise issues, basically. It can be business rates, it can be uh, infrastructure kind of just generally crumbling. Anything like that on the kind of actual policy side can really threaten a venue and, and, and mean that it might have to close. Outside of everything, you know, whether the venue is actually making any money from, from the gigs itself. So there's lots of lots of different issues that can sort of impact it. So, how did you discover the Music Venue Trust? That is a very good question. Um, I finished university and I didn't actually do anything to do with music at university. I studied politics and I kind of came to this crossroads where I was sort of thinking, do I want to do something in politics or do I want to do something in music? Because music was my other big love. Um, And I got to the end of university and I thought, oh gosh, well, I have nothing lined up in terms of... um, work and what am I going to do sort of thing and then I saw uh, that Music Venue Trust uh, had had an annual conference called Venues Day which is their big, uh, which is our big um, conference networking event Um, and I decided well I don't have anything on, I'm not working at the moment, why don't I kind of see if they need any volunteers and kind of give it a punt and sort of try and meet people. By this point I'd kind of decided well I love politics but I I do want to work in music and kind of have politics as my sort of main side interest. Um, and so I basically asked if I could volunteer at the conference and I was super keen. Like I, I looked back and I was proper, like keen, keen. I kind of arrived, I think I arrived like two hours early. I arrived with like a clipboard. I was just ready to kind of go and really like throw myself into the day. Um, and it went really well and then eventually I saw on their Facebook that they were looking uh, for, to hire their first staff. And I just thought, well, I've got nothing else. I'm not doing anything else. So I might as well kind of give it a go and see, you know, if they remember me from kind of volunteering. And I gave it a go. And, and here we are uh, nearly a, a year later. So that's how I kind of started. Woo, that's amazing. Mm. That's so good. And it kind of in between um, uni, I was doing other kind of music stuff. Like what, I had my own blog and I did kind of different things where I was interviewing musicians, um, trying to kind of figure out what I wanted to do in music. Um, again, not really knowing what there was out there. Um, and then eventually this kind of job came up and I was like, well, I've got to seize it and just go for it. And here we are, yeah. Very relatable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very cool though. Mm. And it's, I guess it is kind of weirdly political, mm. your job. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I'm really lucky in that I've, 
found this kind of perfect mix of being able to work in the charity sector, being also being able to work within music and then also doing a lot of kind of stuff to do with policy and politics. So actually it overlaps really well. And I don't think I quite knew that it would when I first started, but it's been a really nice kind of surprise and, and kind of development that I've sort of been able to kind of mold all my three interests into into one thing, which is amazing. I don't think it gets better than yeah, that, really. No, definitely. <laughs> in terms of finding something that is your niche. What does the role of administrator involve? Because mm. I was having a snoop on the website yeah. to find out what your role was. So, I mean, essentially, it, it's it's a bit of everything. So at the charity, there is only um, four of us really in the core team. Uh, Bev, my boss, is the only full-time member of the team. And then uh, Tom and I are both administrators working four days a week. Um, and so it's it basically involves everything from kind of answering all the emails, any kind of inquiries that may come to us, kind of handling our membership uh, information and, and recruitment and database. Um, we have a thing called the Music Venues Alliance, which uh, grassroots music venues can join, and then they kind of get access to all of our support. So we kind of help on a day-to-day basis of kind of keeping management of that. Um, and then it also has sort of developed into being more kind of if we have a project to kind of handle those sort of things so I do a thing called fight back grassroots promoter which is one of our projects and so I've been sort of like helping to manage that um and then anything to do with with policy stuff so if if we get a venue who comes to us saying you know we've had a noise complaint they might shut us down we need to do a planning objection. Can you write this for us? Can we help them write it? So basically any anything that kind of keeps the, the charity sort of ticking over on a, on a day-to-day basis is what I, is what I do, yeah. Very crucial part then. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's a funny one when trying to get a job in music, you know, you have to sort of think longer term. So, you know, I, I saw this job as an admin um, and I thought, well, this is my kind of gate, gateway in and I should just kind of seize it and see where it sort of goes and what I can develop into further and where my interests take me further. But, you know, when I first started, I didn't know that I'd be doing four days a week. I thought it was just going to be three. That's been kind of bumped up to four. Hopefully at some point in the future we can go full time. So I think it's just kind of seizing the opportunities that come in front of you and just kind of going for it and, and uh, seeing where it goes. A lot of it is making your own opportunity as mm. well, isn't it? Absolutely. So I think, you know, if I'd never kind of gone and volunteered at the networking event, I would never have met any of the team and that would never, you know, would never lead to where I am now. So I think it's just kind of, you can't really sit around and wait for these things to happen. You have to have a very proactive DIY kind of mentality about it and just try and meet lots of people, create your own opportunities. Um, and then eventually you will realise that some, something will happen and something, you know, will kind of come about it. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my top tip, basically. <laughs> what actually inspired you to get involved? What like motivates you mm. to get involved in the music venue? Yeah, trust? that is a really good question. Um, when I was growing up, I, I lived near a town called Kingston and uh, there is a record shop in Kingston called Banquet Records. Yeah. Uh, which I would go to when I was a teen. I still go, actually. But I started going when I was about 14 to go to the shows. Um, And that was kind of my first exposure to live music and a live music scene. Um, And what I do is I just kind of wait 
for the bands to finish their in-stores and I'd go and interview them. And that was kind of my first gateway into working in music. Uh, but it was also my first kind of introduction to a DIY scene and, and live music and different venues in Kingston. Um, and that just really genuinely, like, it changed my life. And I always say to John, who's who's the boss at Banquet, that you guys changed my life. And he always kind of laughs and kind of shrugs it off. But I, I genuinely mean it. Like, if I'd never found Banquet, I wouldn't probably have found this kind of DIY community that really means a lot to me. Um, and so when I kind of, when this job eventually came up, I was like, well, I spent the best part of, by this point, it would have been 10 years in live music and at different kind of punk shows and different venues. And I just thought, well, you know, it's it's about time to put sort of my money where my mouth is and actually do something about it to help kind of save these great venues. So that's what I decided to do. That's a very good and solid reason. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just all about finding your kind of actual interest in your sort of niche area and I knew mine was kind of live music and punk music and you know the really the kind of people who own venues and operate venues are just so punk to their core and they just you know no one like they don't they don't wait to anyone to go and tell them to open a music venue they just go and do it so I was like actually you know this is the corner that I want to fight in and these are the people that I want to try and help basically. Did you always plan to work in the music industry? I, I always liked music and when I was 17 I took a gap year because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do um, and at that point I thought well at that point I didn't know that the different jobs in the music industry I genuinely thought the only jobs that you could do was work at a record label work in music PR or be like a music journalist and so that's the only thing I sort of knew which is why I was sort of interviewing all these bands and going to shows and stuff so I thought for a long time oh I'd go into like music journalism um and then I went to university and I kind of kept up the kind of music as an interest um but I also really liked kind of politics and policy and stuff so I wanted to try and find something that melted the two things and luckily I somehow have which is it's very nice what's the best part of your job I think uh two things if I can can I choose two things yeah uh, one, I'd say the team. The team is so, um, so there's four of us, the core team, and then we have a group of consultants who kind of come in uh, when we need them. But they are just kind of as much as part of the team as well. So I think being uh, part of this kind of small team where we all hang out and we all kind of go out and we all really kind of push in the same direction and are kind of going for the same thing. So first of all, the team kind of dynamic is great and shout out to my friend and colleague Tom and then the second thing um, I'd probably say is uh, just the sort of diversity and being allowed to kind of develop my own interest because it's such a small charity and we are growing um, and sort of the threats kind of keep coming basically I have to kind of keep up with everything and just sort of develop my own interests and so I think being allowed to do that and kind of being actively encouraged to be like, oh, Clara, okay, you like, you're interested in the emergency response policy side of stuff. Go out and like learn stuff, or kind of help write this sort of DCMS inquiry response or something like that. So, kind of being given the freedom to actually just go and grow into grow into a role, I think, is is at the moment is kind of the really exciting thing about being at a small but growing charity. I'm learning all these skills. Sometimes I, you know don't really know what I'm doing just kind of got to give it a go and see if you know I learn on the job I came into the role as an admin but I really don't I feel like I've kind of been able to grow and, and kind of take on a lot more responsibilities than than just that and thankfully my bosses have really encouraged that awesome um so in contrast to the best part of your job um do you ever face any challenges and this could be in opposition to people that want to close down venues and yeah I mean uh, a lot of the challenges we face 
in terms of kind of policy stuff is is people not and particularly some people like local, local councils etc not really understanding how the kind of value of music venues and seeing them just as a kind of commercial entity as opposed to like a theater which is a cultural kind of entity and, and not really realizing that most of these venues 99% of the time are losing money on the shows that they put on so to kind of class them as commercial venues or co- commercial ventures it, it's just kind of misunderstanding the situation that they're actually kind of dealing with um, and you know not really kind of understanding the challenges that they face and trying to kind of put both across the economic arguments but also the kind of these these places are important culturally to our history and and to why we're like a successful as successful at music as we are um trying to get that message across is quite difficult uh luckily you know the people who kind of choose to run venues are just incredible i mean like any if you've ever like met venue owners i say this in the nicest and best way they're all a bit mad because no one is going to make money running a, a small music venue like you do it because you love it like no one is going to be like a millionaire by doing this there's lots of other things you could be doing to, if, you, if money was your motivation um and that just means they're doing it because they genuinely love music and, and live music so kind of trying to get their kind of uh arguments across and, and making sure council and, and different kind of stakeholders get both the economic and cultural arguments can be difficult or or take a long time which is the other thing kind of changes within actual policy take a very long time (laughs) to actually (laughs) come about and in the meantime venues are closing yes it takes three years to enact policy change in planning but in the meantime we will have lost many many venues in that kind of intersection so that's that's annoying things are not happening as fast as we would like them to um i've noticed recently or over the last few months (laughs) i've noticed over the last few months there's been some coverage actually which has been really nice you've been hearing about certain venues like wasn't it the owl sanctuary in norwich Mm -hmm. stuff like that um being covered on like national radio and like the closure of them um so has the awareness and coverage of the closure of music venues in the media actually benefited your plight i think in a broader sense a lot of people are better aware that their local music venue exists and actually that these things are not a given you know um and just because you know the 100 club have been has been here for 60 years does not necessarily mean it will always be here you know you have to kind of actively fight for the things that you, you are culturally important to you um all press is good and 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 you know getting that kind of coverage and stuff is good but obviously we'd like to see a time when actually kind of policy kicks in and these places can be protected in the same way that kind of you know art centers or, or theaters are um, and i think that's probably going to take a a wider shift in in kind of mentality for that to actually happen yeah i think coverage is good um and i think it kind of shines a light on local communities and again going back to that kind of diy ethos of um the music scene in norwich is really really strong and and so actually it's kind of communities pulling together and and helping to save hopefully save venues but at the same time it shouldn't just be down to kind of local communities having to do that there should be kind of policy in place that could help venues you know protect them as well how can people support the music venues trust Mm. and what you guys do so there's a couple ways um one way to donate on the website but what we basically say is 
in the broader scheme is go to your local venue on a Tuesday or a random Thursday and just actually go there and, and buy a pint and, and kind of actually spend some time there physically. Recently uh, at Venues Day, just last week, we launched Fight Back Lager. So at the tagline is this beer saves music venues. And so that's going to be rolled out to our network of, of music venues. And if you buy that lager over other competitors, some of that money will go back to the venue and to Music Venue Trust uh, to help with that. Um, kind of basically we have a scheme called Fight Back as well, which is our kind of fundraising side where we do um, gigs. We have Fight Back Manchester coming up in November, which is like a two week festival of music. So going to that will kind of feed back to the charity. But on a kind of wider level, just we go into your local venue on a random Tuesday and, and just kind of hanging out there and, and kind of buying a pint and, and saying hi to the venue staff and saying, you know, that you appreciate them would be, uh, would help us, you know. Just supporting yeah, live support, music. Yeah, genuinely going out and, and, and realising that if you don't if you don't actually use it, they could go and, and, and you know, um, as we see, we've seen kind of countless times that does happen and people saying, oh, how, how could anyone let this happen? Well, it's like everyone's collectively let this happen. So, you know, go out and use, uh, go to your local music venue. If you haven't been um you know that experience can't be replicated by you know artificial intelligence or whatever or just watching it on tv you know go there and actually go to a gig uh it's what we'd recommend or get bike back lager hey. <laughs> you mentioned venues day mm-hmm. 2018 so it took place on the 17th of october this yes. year what does the day usually involve and why do you think it's important for anyone who, who doesn't know venues day is our big networking event uh so we have a thing called the music venues alliance which is our network of venues i think at the moment we have uh, over 400 grassroots music venues in that alliance and basically it's our day where they can come and meet each other listen to kind of discussions on issues that uh they find important and just kind of meet with agents meet with each other have chats realize that actually they're all going through the same thing and kind of creating this sort of sense of solidarity between the music venues um and so that's that's the broader kind of what we try and achieve with the day um and then this year was the first time that Bev and Mark had myself and Tom to help them actually plan and execute the day, uh, along with the consultants, Gary and and Chris and and all our team, basically. Um, And so the actual running of the day is a huge project. We had something like 530 delegates this year. It was at the Islington Assembly Hall, so it was a really big, small venue. Yeah, it was just a really good day. PRS was there to give a talk. Steve Lamack was there. He won an award. He won our first... Uh, outstanding achievement award yeah i saw that um and so it's just kind of a day where we try and make venues you know feel good uh, but also kind of actually talk about the issues of why they're under threat and what we can do to to stop that yeah because i guess you'll be raising an awareness of mm-hmm. potential hazards that could arise that, that become, they can yeah work to avoid mm-hmm. and also just sort of you know what's what can they do in the interim if they have any questions we had panels uh, this year we had a lot of panels on kind of working practice like good practice within the industry how do we create a good contract for venues um, things like riders what's an appropriate rider <laughs> is it appropriate for small venues to be asked to buy seven boxes of you know seven box wines 48 cans of whatever wow. for one band I mean it, and it's it's kind of amazing but we do see those contracts where kind of uh, an agent will send through a contract for a small uh, indie band and it's and they'll be asking for 48 cans of of, of beer for one night you know and then the venue will turn around and be like well if we do this every night 
we can't afford to you know put on these shows it's a huge expense um and so we had a we had a panel on how to try and reconfigure riders so that they're a bit more kind of realistic we had a big panel on uh, prs which if any kind of small venue knows they have to they have to kind of fill in their prs return and how can we kind of find a better way of doing that and then we had a thing that i was helping to manage which is called the sandbox which is basically where uh, agents and venues will meet and just kind of network and hopefully kind of get booked like new gigs through that um and so yeah it was busy 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 day <laughs> sounds like an <laughs> incredibly useful day yeah though. i think i mean the feedback we've got this year is, is that it was the, the best year yet which is always nice to hear um it ran really smoothly and i think that's because we had a, a really great team of volunteers as well as the, the kind of wider mbt team just to kind of make sure everything was kind of ticking over and, and things kind of happened uh, when they needed to happen and so it uh, just yeah felt really good this year a bit on a tangent but mm. kind of related to uh the venues day mm. I saw that Ellie Roswell from yes. Wolfalis has mm-hmm. now become a trustee she has, yeah. of the Music Venue mm-hmm. Trust. And she delivered a speech yeah. at the event, which sounds very cool. Mm-hmm. And they also won the Mercury Prize this year. Yeah, so that must I know, be but she's on a roll. Yeah, absolutely. She's living life. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you, does the support of established artists make a big impact on status of your charity? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps get our message out there. Um, it's always nice when we have artists like Ellie um, and Jeremy from Everything Everything who are now very like well-established artists, but they all started out on this grassroots uh, scene and they all kind of played these small venues. And so they sort of realized that actually that this was the springboard that helped them then climb up and become really, really big. Um, and so it's always great when artists kind of come back in and they want to kind of give back and, and do that kind of extra step of actually becoming a trustee, which is kind of incredible. And, you know, when they're all super busy doing their own kind of careers and stuff. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, the traction that we got on Ellie's speech was great. Like our genuinely our Facebook and Twitter kind of exploded. And, and that was really cool. Um, and I think it just kind of helps. I think it's both good for the small venues to hear like big artists come back and say these kind of things and say that they're really appreciative of, of the venues. But also I think it's good for kind of wider public to kind of realise that actually this is how these big artists become big. They, you know, they do, yeah. everyone has to start, you know, this level. And I think, I think the biggest kind of misconception within the music industry or one of the biggest is that it's this kind of overnight success thing. And it just, yeah. it just, it never happens like that. It ge- genuinely doesn't. There isn't even, you know, Ed Sheeran is not an overnight success. He has, he's had his team and he's, he's built for, for years and years and years. And so, you know, this idea that kind of, you can plough money into an artist and suddenly they're going to be this massive star. It's, it's just not true. They all, it all starts with these kind of building blocks. And I think, you know, grassroots music venues are a very, very important and, and first step for, for artists. And so, you know, when Ellie came back and, and gave that speech and, you know, she really, really gets it. And, and that's a really cool thing. What are your feelings on the future of small live music venues? What do you think? I mean, what I'd like to see is... Uh, basically, we've we've start we've started a campaign called the Pipeline Investment Fund, uh, which basically already happens in a lot of European countries. Uh, but basically, money from ticket sales go, goes into a fund where, if you're a grassroots music venue, you can then claim money from that fund for kind of infrastructure or kind of any issue. The example that we use is the um, attacks at the Bataclan in Paris. So obviously, after the attacks, shows were still happening, but security, the price of security, obviously 
rose massively in the aftermath. And so venues could kind of go into that fund and use that money to therefore pay for the security that they needed at these venues. So that was like one use of, of the kind of fund in Europe. Uh, but we don't have any equivalent of that in the UK. We're actually the only country in Europe that basically has little to no kind of public subsidy at all. Um, and so what I'd like to see is the kind of creation of a, of a pipeline investment fund. And what we're kind of saying and what we're kind of arguing is that we don't necessarily need a kind of a government backed fund. The music venue itself in the UK is worth billions and we're very, very good at what we do. We have a fantastic live music industry. And so what we're basically saying is actually we need our own music industry to come up with this solution and kind of put into the investment fund and actually, you know, if they want these artists to develop, if they want kind of R and like research and development for their labels and for, you know, the next edge and whatever, they need to actually start investing in their grassroots music venues. Um, and so what I'd like to see is that kind of come into fruition in the next kind of, I don't know, three or four years. Um, I think that would make a really big difference. What we're basically seeing is that a lot of our venues, they don't need funding for actual programming, e.g. telling them what to put on. They need like they need funding for their actual infrastructure. For you know, a lot of these venues are literally falling apart. You know, the kind of funding mechanisms that we have at the moment, kind of cultural subsidies, arts council and stuff, it's not quite appropriate for the actual issues that they're facing. Obviously, you deal with a lot of small venue owners mm -hmm. and I assume you meet a lot of promoters as yeah. well. Um, would you say that there is a wide representation of diversity when it comes to these sort of roles? Um, um, well, no, is is just the answer. So uh, a programme that we have run this past year is called Fight Back Grassroots Promoter. Mm -hmm. um, and the kind of motivation to start that programme was that basically a lot of uh, venue owners, a lot of kind of bookers, promoters who work in venues, um, they're all of a certain <laughs> generation, which means there's not a lot of young people kind of coming up through yeah. those networks that could then take over and actually uh, kind of run a venue when either, you know, they want to step down and retire or whatever. So what we've basically noticed is that there is this kind of lack of diversity and, and youth within the actual kind of running of these venues. And that eventually is going in 10, 20 years, whatever, is going to be a big problem. And so we were thinking, well, how can we um, both kind of actually put our money where our mouth is and let's make a positive change and let's try and make the, the like live music scene more diverse. And so we started this program alongside our partners, Music Planet Live, and that was basically our attempt to get uh, women under 25 into promoting and we would basically support them you know, putting on their first show, promoting their first show, um, giving them mentors, connecting them with industry figures who would, could help them as well. We gave them a pack um, and uh, basically we were like, you know, give promoting a go and hopefully if they like it, they'll continue promoting. We have to kind of think about that kind of succession planning and kind of get people into venues at a young age that want to kind of then continue that kind of legacy and the torch and kind of carry on those venues. We're about to kind of publish two books, which one is about how to open a grassroots music venue and the other is how to like run a grassroots music venue. So we're hoping that will inspire people to actually go and do it. Just as you can be encouraged to become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, we want people to start encouraging people to go and work in the local venues and open, you know, open great scenes like they did in, in, in Kingston and, and other places around the UK. Sounds great. Mm. I saw that you had a fund where young people that want to get into local venues mm. 
they can get their venue to apply for funding to go towards them yes so we have we have a couple different schemes um, lots of schemes yeah spike back grassroots promoter is basically a hundred thousand pound investment to underwrite a uh, hundred shows so we could get a hundred new shows at grassroots music venues by women under 25 so that was hopefully to get women both interested in working in live music but also kind of supporting women who already were doing it and wanted to kind of do the next step or whatever um and then we had another one called uh the red stripe earn your stripes bursary that was it yeah which uh, was a, a collaboration with red stripe where basically another big issue at grassroots music venues is just like training in general like training in in kind of uh, sound engineer light techs all this kind of stuff where it's quite difficult to actually train and work in a, in a grassroots music venue and so we wanted to kind of facilitate a way that venues could take on a short-term intern and kind of use the funds from the bursary to train them for a few sessions and then they could work in the venue and and kind of get hands-on experience of actually working as a a light technician or a sound engineer or a venue intern or like a marketing intern whatever you know whatever the venue wanted to do kind of create that sort of short-term training that you know they could go in and actually deliver that because I think that's a lot of what we found is a lot of venues want to kind of give that training and they really want to kind of bring new people into it but of course if you're not earning a lot of money you can't then kind of pay them <laughs> so actually we needed a way that we to work around to do that and, and make sure that these interns could be paid for the for the for the work that they do so that was one of the ways that we came up with doing that that's so valuable If you'd like to learn more about the Music Venue Trust or donate, check out their website at musicvenuetrust.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.